Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. everybody my name is indy and the gentleman next to me is mr j powell from powell group consulting and welcome to indie game business first we want to say thank you so much uh tripwire presents um for sponsoring us that is amazing and i would like to introduce our guest Alyssa wallace that's me IG- that's that's her yes i'm here the igda foundation in and and the topic is what the heck is the IGDA? What is foundation? it? What is yes. it? Yes, that's how do you it's pronounce the it? foundation part? Jeez, mm-hmm. Dan, is it a whole podcast for this? It's it's like... <laughs> okay, I'll go now. All right, Alyssa. So welcome to the wonderful podcast. The um Thank let's you. start with tell us how you originally got into the industry and walk us through your career up oh, to Jesus. this point, okay. including the Hollywood part. Okay. So I'll try to not take up the entire day with my background. Uh, I started out in the games business by way of the VHS business. Uh, I worked at a division of Sony that at the time was called Columbia TriStar. My boss, who is a guy by the name of Chris Deering, Chris had worked at the original Atari. And so he was advising the people back in Tokyo about their plans when they were planning out the PlayStation. And we were distributing video cassettes. I was an international marketing person working with territories on selling Columbia Classics home video and laser discs. This really I got oh, the I had the I had the crap area. He called it the black hole. And then he said, hey, you know, we're kind of looking at this video game thing. How about you try to put some of the team together, maybe find a consultant in these countries to help us out, which we did. And so we found people who had some knowledge of the video game business and who would work alongside the teams that were already in place for home video because they went to all the same retailers. And I was the point person for building up that business with a couple different territories. And then a couple years later, Chris was moved to, this is the short version of the story. Chris moved to London to be president of PlayStation Europe and launched PlayStation there. And I had moved to a different company and was miserable there. And I called him and I said, can I please have a job? And (laughs) and he said, "Uh, well, I got to tell you, as your friend, nobody knows if this PlayStation thing is going to be successful. And I was like, I don't care. Just get me out of this. Like my boyfriend had broken up with me. And I was like, just get me away from my life, basically. So I moved to London. Uh, I arrived on October 2nd, 1995. We had launched PlayStation on September 29th, three days prior. And I was there for three and a half years and was thrown into the world of video games. I was responsible for... Uh, the territory's hardware and software launch because most, not most, some of our offices were TV, you know, doing Sony TVs and hardware. They had never sold software. They didn't understand how that business worked. And my job was to educate them and help them launch PlayStation in the best way possible. So it was an amazing, amazing experience for me. Uh, I loved that job. It was great. 
I just got homesick because I'm from LA and I really miss the sunshine. And uh, <laughs> so after three and a half years, I came home and I started my own consulting business because about a year into my PlayStation tour, I said to Chris, we have no kids content and I'm having to tell all my friends that they have to buy an N64 and it's very painful. And he said, well, we're not, but we're not for kids. And I was like, I understand that our whole marketing push was for 21 year old males because it was aspirational for people younger than that to want to be 21 and for people older that older than that to wish they were 21 again. And I said, I understand that. I just think we're leaving some money on the table. And then again, long story short, doing some research, I found that we had two titles. One was a Mickey Mania port from SNES that had Mickey's face on the cover. And we had a Rayman game from Ubisoft was the other title with an animated character on the front that had been selling. And, you know, I know this is about business side. This was this hidden data that no one was paying attention to that we, I found we had sold hundreds of thousands of units of those two titles that were crap. And that convinced Chris to let me put a team together and start pitching Lego and Mattel and Henson to get their con their IP onto the PlayStation platform. And so when I left, I started my own consulting business and managed that kid's business to try to grow that kid's uh, category for PlayStation from my house. So I went back home and did that for them for about a year and then worked for Infogram, which some people know because they bought uh, GT Interactive, which is all the humongous brands. So Backyard Sports, Putt-Putt, Pajama Sam, Freddy Fish, and Spy Fox. I worked on those for a little while. Dear Hunter. And uh, it, was, it was great. And then I left there because I had this great idea to take the video game experience into movie theaters. And I tried to have my own platform and launch my own platform for about eight years. And that failed. <laughs> And uh, I just couldn't raise money. And it was a, it's a very big undertaking. And I was before my time. This was 2003 to 2011. And then 2011, I just went back to my consulting business and worked on a lot of different game brands. I worked on Hitbox, which competed with Twitch at the time. And then in 2019, went to help a startup indie game publisher called MWM Interactive. And that was around for a couple of years and was shut down at the end of 2021 for a number of reasons. And about a year ago, I joined the IGDA Foundation and I get to help mentor people and I get to help anybody who really wants to work in the games business and can't figure it out. Well, I'm very sorry that whole PlayStation thing never took off and that that didn't... <laughs> I mean, and Lego, who the hell would think that's going to happen either? So, yeah. That's so. <laughs> yeah, no, the kids category, you know, I got a lot of pushback from the American PlayStation team. They were not happy that I was, you know, had the resources and I had producers working with me to help these IP holders. They were pissed. And... I was like, do you guys want to come with me to this meeting at Disney or not? Like, we're going to get their IP onto PlayStation, I'm telling you. And anyway, as you all know, there's plenty of room for all different kinds of genres on the platform. And I'm really proud of pushing and making that happen. Well, good job, because, you know, some of those crappy licensed games were what we did at one point <laughs> at my career. So... Thank you for allowing us to have a platform to put <laughs> random ass platformers with animated characters on them. Uh, <laughs> so I, I would say that most everybody's familiar with the IGDA in general. So tell us what the what is the foundation? How is it different? Is it part of? Is it separate? Is it alongside? How? What's the breakdown? What's the difference here? So. Technically speaking, the IGDA is a membership organization and is in the terms of the IRS in the United States, a 501c6, which means it's a membership organization. The IGDA foundation is 
a 501c3, which means we are a charity, we are a nonprofit, uh, and we were formed in 2006 or seven. And there's a little bit of fuzziness between the two. We work very, very closely with the IGDA. There is a separate executive director, Jaken. If you've not spoken to Jaken Bela, I highly recommend it. He's awesome. Several times. Super okay, nice great. Guy. Yes. Okay, good. And uh, so he and I work very closely together. We have two separate boards. There is a board member who sits on both boards, a gentleman by the name of Taha Razuli, who's based in Iran. He's also fantastic. And so our job is different. Their job is to build a membership community worldwide and create, you know, regional groups or special interest groups. That's what they are designed to do. And he can explain that far better than I. We are here as an advancement program for individuals from marginalized backgrounds. So our mission is to make the game industry more diverse and inclusive, and we provide professional development and opportunities for anybody who wants to have a career in the games industry. We primarily focus on underrepresented groups in our programs. So that's who we are. We have two primary programs. Originally, we had um, just GDC, where we would send about 75 people to GDC every year from those underrepresented groups. And then the pandemic hit. And the woman who was in my job before, who I'm assuming you know, Nika Noor, who's amazing, uh, she created a virtual program. And so that's a six-week program that is in the fall. And right now the applications are open uh, for both virtual exchange in the fall and for GDC next year. And I'll talk a little bit about both in a second. Um, but those programs are our way of, you know, helping diversify this industry. I've been in a long time, as I've just explained. And there were many, many years when I was the only woman in the room. And that is no longer the case, which is great. In addition to bringing more females into the work, into the industry, there needs to be more diversity of backgrounds as well across the spectrum. And so that's what we're doing. And I'm really proud to be making that happen or helping to make that happen. So yes, we, we know Nika, um, she's notorious on the program and we're actually familiar with the, the virtual program because we actually ran that behind the scenes during the pandemic. So the, oh, the whole thank you. Uh, virtual uh, diversity conference, that was us. We were behind the scenes. Nice. Um, Thank you. And so this is worldwide, too. This isn't just yes. like a U.S. thing. So it's about bringing folks from underrepresented communities all around the world, getting them mentorships, getting them a path to the industry, all of that wonderful sort of stuff. So talk a little bit about the grants and what it does. We've got the link. Dan, can you pop the link up in chat so to the to the application? So if someone gets accepted to the program, what what are they winning? So they are not winning money. I want to make that really, really clear. And I want to just add on to what you said about international. So this we are the International Game Developer Association Foundation. So and because of my background in international, that's really important to me. And I've spent the last year focused on how do we reach more people outside of North America. So hopefully we're going to be doing this a, a better job this year. Last year we had 21 countries represented uh, across 70 people. I hope we have at least 70 people and I hope we have 40 countries represented this year. That would be an amazing feat if we could do that. So one, so right now the application process is open. Uh, it's open through May 31st. And then there's a period of time when our team, and we have a team of volunteers, have to evaluate those applications. And that takes at least a month, maybe six weeks. We're giving ourselves six weeks. By mid-July, we will, uh, we will uh, let the folks know who got accepted, who, that, whether or not they were accepted. And then the program starts in September. I don't have the exact dates yet because the most important thing right now is getting through this application process and getting people accepted. And then there will be a six week process that starts in September where there are two or three hour sessions each week 
of those six weeks for each cohort. And I need to explain what those, there are four cohorts. They address a different time in different people's journeys of their career. Two of them we refer to as scholars. One is called international scholars. And those are for people who are in college or just graduated from any school throughout the world. And they are interested in a game career. They don't have to go to a game school. They just have to be passionate about pursuing a career in the games business. So that's the first cohort is international scholars. The next cohort is called HBCU HSI. And that's a very US focused cohort. HBCU for historically black colleges and universities. HSI is Hispanic serving institutions. So those are for African-American and Hispanic students. There are colleges that are directly labeled with that designation. And so that cohort is also for students or recent grads from HBCU and HSI schools. And that is a uh, cohort that was designed because of a request of one of our sponsors. So one of the companies that supports us says, we need more African-Americans and Hispanics in the pipeline wanting to work in the games industry. Can you help us by building this cohort? And we did. The next cohort was also created uh, through one of our sponsors and that's called Next Gen Leaders. So that are, that's for people who are mid-career in the games business from an underrepresented group and really struggling to get promoted or move to that next level or they need support to progress their career. And then the last cohort is called Velocity. And Velocity are for people who are mid-career, they have work experience in another industry, and they really want to get into games. Again, all from underrepresented groups. And so those are the four cohorts. And then the question that you asked, Jay, was what happens? So I had to give that background because each cohort has different content over that six-week period. Last year for our keynote, so our kickoff event, uh, Jessica Durchin, who is uh, Hispanic and has been in the business for, I want to say, 25 years. She was one of the producers on the Barbie first Barbie games, um, and she's now working as a producer on Wonder Woman, the game coming out from Warner Brothers. She was our keynote speaker um, as a Hispanic woman doing very, very well in the industry. The six weeks uh, for scholars for the scholars cohorts may talk about LinkedIn, may talk about your resume. Uh, there will be workshops on different disciplines because if you're in school or you just graduated, you may not know what you're interested in yet. You may want some sort of art type of game career, but you're not sure of the difference between technical art, um, background, like all the different types of art. And I'm not an artist, so I don't know all the names. Um, if you want to be an engineer, if you are an engineer and you want to, there's all different kinds of engineers in gaming, different kinds of programming. So most of the scholars content will be sharing different types of disciplines and have people come and talk to the cohorts about that. Um, there will be Q and A's with people, um, Everybody across all the cohorts is assigned a mentor, a one-to-one -one mentor that aligns with what they've shared with us in their application program process so that we can um, match them with somebody that will be really helpful to them. Uh, Velocity, those people, that cohort, that content's a little different. That content is, what are your transferable skills? How do you present yourself when you want to go from being a home builder or contractor to being uh, a game producer? Like how, how does that work and how can we help you achieve that? Next Gen Leaders have a completely different um, uh, type of content and curriculum because for them, they don't know how to interview other people. And as you progress in your career, you are interviewing people to join your team. So one of the sessions is on interviewing. One of the sessions is managing chaos. Because a lot of times game development is chaos, right? So lots of time, like all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we uh, are working on the content plan right now. The content is not all set. 
we take from the applications, we learn from the applications what type of uh, information people want to learn or gain and how we can help them. So a lot of the content is uh, determined by that app those applications and the people in each cohort. I hope I'm answering your question. Oh, yes. I mean, without a doubt. So here's my question then. How many of these applicants do you get coming in who are looking for jobs on the business side of the industry? Funny you should ask that. So weird. It's like it's a theme or something. It's I like know. <laughs> well, and it, and I, so I was so excited to be invited to your podcast here. Um, we get some, not a lot. Uh, and I'm hoping that changes over time. I think because most of the game programs at schools are focused on development. I don't think most college students in accounting understand that you could work in accounting at a game studio. And so that's part of the job we have to do of, uh, I've done some events. I did an event with Riot last year where or actually earlier this year, sorry, where we had a Discover Jobs in Games event with them. And they had 10 people that were not all from development places in the company. There was somebody from research. There was somebody from uh, HR uh, and somebody who was a business analyst, I think. So they had different people, including game dev related jobs, talking to the people that came to this event uh, about those different kinds of jobs and what they are. That's what I'm all about. I want to make sure if you're in college or you just graduated that you know you don't have to be technically gifted or oriented in order to work in the games business. So how do we how do we fix that? How do we you know <laughs> tell because I mean we, it's the same reason that I started a chapter of the IGDF up here in you know Western North Carolina is because students just don't even realize that's an option. They just have, they come in and they think, oh, if I want to be in games, I have to be a coder or a designer or an artist. And it's like, no, there's other stuff that you can do. So how do we tell people that? We keep doing what you're doing. And I keep talking to the people that I meant. I mentor a lot personally. Uh, I talk to a lot of people who are trying to figure out what they're going to do when they graduate. And one of my major you know, through lines is what do you love doing? Where do you like, Oh, you're, you're a finance major or you're a marketing major, but what else do you do? Do you surf? Do you play games? Do you, you know, consume way too much television? Like what is it? Those, those specialties that you took all those classes and can be applied to almost anything. And so for me, it's sharing that talking like with you today about, Hey, it's possible to have a job that is not just coding or art or producing a game. And I think we just keep talking about it. I, I also love the, how do you go from such and such a role to a producer in the industry? That's an interesting step considering that we used to look at people and went, Hey, uh, you write the most coherent evaluations and feedback on these games. Congratulations. Now you're a producer. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel the thing that may be going sideways in this initiative, Alyssa, is you're giving these people the impression there's a lot more organization in this industry than there actually is. <laughs> I mean, at the big companies, sure. But yes. I, I recommend people go to an indie a lot of times because they're going to learn all the different kinds of jobs that are available in the industry from working with an indie startup and figure out where they fit. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, it's, I started at a very small company. I was like literally the third, third person in behind the two founders. And I got to see every ounce of everything. And then it was like, okay, so what do you like? What are you good at? I certainly wasn't trained in it or educated in business, you know, but it was one of those things that I love games. Okay. I'm capable of doing business. Let's just do this. Yeah, I wasn't um, trained in it either. I went to my college degree was in film history and criticism. I watched movies for three and a half years and wrote papers about them and then finished. And I was like, now what am I supposed to do? Because that no might be job for that. 
a more useless degree than my English literature degree. I mean, that's, oh, they're very similar. Only yeah. you actually had to read books, which takes longer than watching a movie. <laughs> I took the really easy route. I went to I went to USC, which had the best film school at the time in the country, and I couldn't, of course, couldn't get in, and I didn't really want to make movies. And I was like, oh, well, this is over here. This was film. Oh, I'm going to watch movies and write papers. I can do that. And plus, you only had like maybe a hundred years of material to, to work on where, you know, I had several thousands of years yes, of material. Exactly. That I had to, you're right. That would that should have been a much easier route to go. So. All right. So let's talk about mentorship. Yes. Because this is like one of my parts of the industry. I love doing mentorships and I love helping, you know, students wherever we can. What does a successful mentorship program look like? Because every time I've been in one, I have one phone call with the mentoree, the mentee, whatever they're called. And then I never hear from them again. So it's either like it's an organization thing or my advice just sucks. One of the, one of the two. Well, I, I think it's a third option. I think that mentees are, from my experience, because I've done it for many, for over 20 years, my experience is that they are intimidated by us because of all of our experience. And so for me, I have had that happen with a couple people. I reach back out to them and I say, hey, I've told you that I want to help you. I'm here. Can we have a call? Um, and that's usually what I hear in response is that they didn't, they th thought I was too busy and they didn't want to take my time. I, I was in a program through you. This is, I don't know if it's a great story or not, but I tried for many years to teach within the USC games department, which lives in the film school where I graduated. So the, the very school I graduated from added games to it. I wanted to teach there. So for 10 years, I would go back every year or two and say, hey, I really want to teach. And I would get rebuffed. And so I ended up going over to the business school one day and I said, look, I want to give back. I'm, I'm not going to write a check. I really want to help out. How can I do that? And the business school has a formal program called CAP, Career Advancement Program, for their undergraduates in their business school. And they have a matching program. They have goals that are set at the beginning of the uh, school year. And that works, I would say, 50% of the time because I, I was really specific about who I wanted to mentor. I would say they have to have a high uh, energy level or it's not going to work for me if they're really meek and mild and they're afraid to talk. Like I need somebody who wants to put in the effort and is excited to work and learn from me. Uh, so that seemed to help, but I would still get people who just would fall off the face of the earth. Like you're talking about. I also speak, or before I moved away would speak at Cal state um, long beach to classes of a hundred people. And I would put my name and email up on the like screen and say, I'm here. I'm happy to help you out. That's why I'm speaking. And every year, and I did that for probably 10 years, maybe two or three people would reach out out of a room of 50 to 100 people. So that's my experience. What we're trying to do to change that for the foundation and our both the virtual exchange and GBC is we're building a mentor database, which has not existed until Ooh. it's about to start. So I had a meeting yesterday about the survey that we're sending out uh, and how we're going to build that. Because the last three years where we did this virtual exchange that thank you very much, you helped start. Mentor, that mentor matching was not a priority from my understanding, at least not last year, which was my first year uh, with the program. And what happened, I found, was that there were people that on the last week still hadn't been matched. And I was, you know, I'm like, okay, I will mentor them. Somebody has to mentor them. I will mentor them. And so what we're doing now, one of our alumni from last year, who's a volunteer, stepped up and said, I will help you create that database. Because 
people who are a next gen leader would benefit from you or me as their mentor more than a college student would. A college student will probably benefit more from someone who's two or three years into their career because it's more relatable to them. It's better to, it's easier for them to understand, well, how did you get that job at EA or Riot or Xbox? Like it's just a more relatable process. So each cohort needs different types of mentors, which is why we're building a database because we have 75 people to match. I mean, it could be more, but theoretically there will be 75 people in the virtual exchange this year. And we want to match them with someone who speaks their language on their time zone, uh, hopefully in their discipline, all those things we want to accommodate and so in a few weeks, you'll be getting something from me that says, hey, we're building our uh, mentorship database. Would you like to fill this out and be included? That's not saying you're going to get matched, but it's saying you want to be part of what we're doing and available if we need it. Uh, yes, I want to be in that. That's Great. That's perfect. Um, but I can't guarantee whoever you're matched with won't do the same thing. I mean, we will be giving them guidelines. Um, we give you guidelines. You know, you're not there to get them a job. That's not your, that's not a mentor's role. So we have guidelines on both sides. Uh, but yeah, I, I will, I will be making sure if you get matched that you talk to them three times over the six week period. Sign up today for the Indie Game Business Newsletter. It's a weekly source of business news curated for indie dev teams. We've got discounts on all Indie Game Business events and events from all of our partners. You get a first look at the summaries and takeaways from all of our podcasts. There are exclusive opportunities for promotions and early access to new tools for development, monetization, and more. Check it out. Sign up. PowellGroupConsulting.com slash publisher dash list. That that's perfect. That that's what I want to see. It's it's it is. I, but I hadn't realized the part about you know they may think that we're too busy or intim because it's just one of those things that I never really think about. Me neither. I just I mean, know from experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Me? That is, How can I be intimidating? Yeah, what I know. Are you talking about? <laughs> we were. A couple of weeks ago, I was invited down to my alma mater's business school, which hilariously enough would have never let me in the door back when I was in undergrad because, oh my God, no, me, my, my GPA was horrendous. Um, and they were having a pitch competition from startups. So as long as you were a student, you know, age didn't matter, you know, a student undergrad or in a graduate program, and you had an idea for a company, you could, you know, go in and do this. And they asked me to be one of the judges. And, you know, after I got done falling out of my chair, laughing, and then sitting back up, and I was like, I don't, I mean, that's fine, but why me? And the guy that was, it was two business school undergrad, not undergrads, but graduate students that, that put the whole thing together. And they did a fantastic job, by the way, first time they had ever done this fantastic job. Um, they were like, well, you know, your journey would be very interesting to something. I'm like, you say journey, like it had a plan. <laughs> it's like, I sat down and said, this is what we're going to do to get there. There was no plan. I mean, there's not a plan to this day and it's been 25 years. Um, so it is, it, it, it is always a little surprising because it makes sense when you say it. Yes, I understand that, but you don't really, when you've been doing this as long as we have, and you're not one of those people who sits up there with an ego and it's like, well, you need to listen to me because blah, blah, blah. 
it's like, I don't care if you listen to me or not. I'm just going to tell you what I see and, and what I've gone through. You just don't really think about it. that's the reason. And so, but that makes a hundred percent perfect sense. Yeah. So I have a, somebody who was uh, one of my mentees two years ago who has been doing a great job at getting internships and, uh, out of, and, and they were at film studios and he's called, and I see this post on LinkedIn that he's going to be interning at Riot this summer. And I was like, wait, what? You, you're interested in games? What? And so, you know, I was, ex I'm very happy. And he's going to work on a project for me for a client that I work on the side for that I need a business plan for. And he's like, he's a business student, right? It's like, I really need, I really need more experience in Excel. So I ask them for help too, when I need it, um, depending on their background and their skill set and what their interests are. Um, but I tend to stay in touch with at least one or two people a year over time, which I love. So here's one of the things that you're talking about that, that knowledge and that help goes both ways. This is one of the things, one, when, when we have people come to us and like, so how do you think of our business plan? How do you write a business plan? I turn around, I look at Heather because Heather has actually done this. I've never written a business plan in my entire life. I mean, it's just that the plan is to make money. That's the plan and, and to not have to go get a real job. How do we break that down into steps? But one of the things when it comes to, you know, students and other disciplines not realizing that there are opportunities in games too. One of the things that I got out of the startup competition last week is there's a lot of people who are doing things in secondary markets similar to ours, be it like education or you know, simulations or training or whatever that don't realize how much tech from our industry can help them. There were there were two different pitches that my feedback was directly stop trying to reinvent this wheel and go build what you're doing in Roblox because it was, they were kids type things anyway. And I'm like, all the tools are there or go to Fortnite where you can literally make an entire game in Fortnite now because of all the Unreal Engine stuff that they've dumped in there. There's a, a sincere lack of knowledge, especially in the startup world, about how much tech we have that can actually help them. Exactly. So, yeah, that was my thought. Anyway, all right. So what can we do to help support the IGDA Foundation, aside from, you know, having you on the show and, and talking about all this kind of good stuff? And, and you know, we're obviously here to educate people on the business, the marketing, the licensing, a little bit of production side of the industry. So what can we do to help you all? The most important thing you're doing is this podcast, which I would love for people interested in the business side to apply. Because I think, I know last year we accepted people on the business side. I feel like the cohorts are selected based on a lot of different factors. One of them is making them well balanced. And so the more business related people who apply, the more business will be represented in those cohorts and then help to grow that part of what we're doing in general. And then you might end up with me as a mentor, which for God's sake. Exactly. Man. It'd be awesome. Bless your heart. <laughs> well, maybe you're just going to be my mentor. Who knows? God, no, don't. I don't. Oh, you've been doing this longer than I have, and you have way more outside the industry experience than I do. I know a very narrow set of things. It's like put me outside of that, and and I don't function. What are some aside from the business side? What are some of the other areas that you feel need better representation and better awareness of students coming out of school that there are opportunities in the industry? So first, the most important thing from my perspective is internships. And I, and it's not even coming out of school, but while students are in school to look for internships, figure out what game companies have them. Um, one of the people I mentor 
got an internship at Sony Pictures and ended up in their IT department, which is crazy. Like that was not the plan, right? They thought, oh, I'm going to be at Sony Pictures and, you know, making movies and they're in IT, but they have Sony on their resume. And so one of the most important things for anyone who wants to work in this industry is to participate in game jams to try to get uh, an internship before you graduate. So you're not scrambling when you graduate and you're not competing against the people who did that. So any kind of experience that you can get, volunteer. Uh, you know, we're not the only nonprofit addressing underrepresentation. There are quite a few of similar organizations out there. See what opportunities they have attend things like this. This is great. The people that are either here or are tuning in, hopefully you, you'll glean something that will help you out down the road. And that's exciting. That's what, that's why we're here. Am I answering your question? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's leading to more questions, which is always fantastic. So how can, especially you know, the, the smaller the startup, I just got my headphones wrapped around my watch, the companies that aren't like these giant corporations that are used to doing internship programs. Let's dive a little farther into that. How are some of the ways that smaller companies and startups can utilize internships? And I don't even want to go the volunteer route because if, in, no, in my uh, world, nope. you should always be paid anyway. But what are some of the things that, that startups and, and these smaller companies in the industry can do to utilize interns? Great, because I feel as if they don't even think about it. Uh, at my last company before here, we were an indie game publisher startup, and we were really struggling. Uh, I can't even remember with which project. I'm like, let's just bring in some interns. And so we hired two interns for the summer, and they helped us through that period. And so uh, I was talking to somebody from a mid-sized publisher at GDC and they're using interns to, and they're paying them. They're using them to beef up their teams because they know, uh, and I can't remember exactly, I think it was programming um, production and something else. They, they know those teams need help, but they can't hire a full-time person. Bring in somebody, I think, at least in California, it was $15 an hour. So you have to pay at least $15 an hour. But when you do the math on that and you get someone who's really eager to learn and you are clear, you know, if you are going to hire someone, you have to give them good direction. You have to be available to them. You can't just set them out on a boat and hope they survive on their own for three months with no food or water. They need guidance. Learn right? to swim. <laughs> yeah, no, but that does happen in some places. So in speaking to the indie devs who could use the help, when you do the math, it's not that expensive. You're not paying healthcare. You know, there's it, you're paying an hourly rate for someone who can help you solve a problem. Community is huge. Uh, you know, social media, there's things that are really important for a game launch well before the game launches that a young person, an intern could really be helpful of if your game is targeting them as an audience, like what do they want to know about the game? Um, at our last company, you know, we didn't have assets early, but if those assets are available early, then have the marketing like somebody help you from community or social media to post those in the right way learn what works. How are you going to get those steam wish lists to grow? Um, you know, all those things that are going to make your game successful. But my experience is marketing tends to be an afterthought with indie devs. It's really, no. really important. <laughs> no. And so if you can at least have an intern come in, and help with some of that so that you see the value. You see, oh wow, my wish lists have grown whatever hundreds of percentage points since we started doing this weekly or monthly drop of assets. Great. 
prove to yourself that it's helpful. And then it's not a full-time thing. It could be, but help, you know, help guide them of what you want to accomplish. Make sure it's someone who's self-motivated because even though you are going to give them direction, you want them to go do the thing you don't want to spend your time on. Right. I'm sorry. I'm babbling. I think. No, 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 you're not. Because it's, one, I'm stealing ideas from you left and right right now. That's why I was sitting here looking around for my notepad, but that's beside the point. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind too, is especially post pandemic, it's like, we have interns. Love you, Mariah, Cameron. You're, you're, you're my favorites. We pull them from the local university, but it's like you can absolutely i mean the world is your internship pool now and so we do it here locally because i want these students to understand that there are options in in the industry aside from okay i code and i draw and i, and I design um but you can literally pull from anywhere around the world now to you know, get your interns. And if there is one thing that I know, you know, college students are good at, it's also research. So when you come into, it's like building a strategy, how can we use TikTok? You can have interns come in, go through all these sources on the internet because, you know, TikTok is a thing and figure out, okay, how can we use this for indie games? And so there's a lot of things that people don't necessarily think of when they're thinking about business. It's like, okay, this is what we have to do to market this platform and this platform and this platform. But you also have to know how to do it. And you should also be utilizing all the stuff that's out there right now on how to use, I mean, whatever, AI or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or AI. AI. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's oh. great, great marketing uh, prompts mm -hmm. that are like, that I, I wish they had existed uh, when I was, working primarily in marketing. The other thing I want to say is um, if you have a specific interest or need, let's say it's research, for example, on either side. Um, one of the people I mentored 10 years ago is now in a very big research job at one of the major publishers. And he on the side mentors students who want to get into research and he gives them projects not for his work but so they can learn and figure out what does a proper research project look like what kind of data do i need to understand and he helps them it's almost like this class they don't pay for but they get his mentorship in doing that uh, which is amazing right so figuring out what do you need on either side if you need an internship or you need help with your indie studio, what will help you the most? And, you know, talk to me or you about like, how do I find that person? Or for example, if an indie studio is looking for an intern, I would post that in our alumni discord. We have over a thousand alumni. Uh, they're not all in the discord. We're trying to build that out and trying to reach people who were in the program 15 years ago, who may have been just, you know, may not still be connected to the community, but we will post things in our discord for jobs, for internships. Um, when games launch, you know, that community is really, really helpful to each other. And so that's something that we can offer. Uh, not that it's going to be a magic answer every time, but it's there for indie studios if they choose to reach out to me. All right, so I have an idea and you can tell me if I'm an idiot or not. I'm perfectly fine with that. Have y'all looked into doing, uh, for lack of a better phrase, a, a rent and intern program where you've got a pool of potential interns, people in the program, people who were in the program and you know, indie teams can come to you and say, I, this is the, the problem I have. You know, they don't necessarily have the resources to bring an intern on for three or four months, but they have a project that they need done. I need a PowerPoint deck to cover my company, or I need a research into this, 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 where they can go to you and say, this is what I need as an intern. You can have the interns work on it and they get paid. And they get experience. I mean, am I completely? I love crazy? this idea. We haven't done it. I love it. I think it's fantastic. 
Um, Can we please call it the rent and intern program? We're going to call it the rent and intern <laughs> program, but I have to put a lot of work behind it because we either have to get a sponsor to pay for it, um, you know, depending on the indie studio, you know, if they can't afford it, we would love to, I, I need to think about it. I love the idea. No, I mean, my whole thing is I think it should be, yes, the indie studio should pay for it. I mean, it would obviously be cheaper than doing something you know, bigger, but yes, everybody needs to get paid and, and they should be paid for along the way. But I think it would be a good intermediate step between, okay, I have to figure all this shit out on my own. And, but what do we do if we hire a full-blown intern? I love the idea. All right, I'm done. I just wrote, I wrote it down. I'm, I'm gonna, out. I have to think about it. I'm, I'm going to bring it up at our next board meeting. All right. So, Pebs, our wonderful new social media manager, who, despite what she threatened last time, has not run off and left us yet, um, mentions how much she loves chat PT, chat PT, yeah, whatever. Yes. The AI thingy. Yes. And there's all this talk of, you know, you know, AI is getting going to run people out of jobs. And you see it now with the Writers Guild. And it's like the movie studios are threatening to hire AI to do movie scripts which just brings me back to how many monkeys does it take in a room with a typewriter to, to put out shakespeare because that's the only thing i can think of when you're talking about ai making movie scripts um how are some of the ways that you know smaller companies can utilize ai to their benefit interns can utilize ai because i've played around with it my thought is not necessarily who I can replace on my team it's how much more can they you know accomplish in less time because of it, what are some of the uses that you're seeing when it comes to small teams and small projects for using, you know, AI? So my experience with it so far has been on the student side, mentoring students. And the way I've been using it is optimize this resume for this job description uh, and seeing what comes out and then using that not verbatim, um, but to guide the information and try to improve that resume for that student. Um, on the marketing side, I, I follow all these TikToks on AI. So, you know, I've, I've seen these ones that say, you know, you can prompt ChatGPT to, uh, if, you, if you prompt it well, it will give you your marketing plan. I haven't used it that way. So I don't have any experience with that. It's helped me write recommendations on LinkedIn because I really, really hate doing those. Um, <laughs> um, so I I used to say, if one of my mentees asked me to write them a recommendation, I'd say, well, can you just write the first draft and then I'll edit it in my own words? Because I just like, this person's great. Like, what am I going to say? Like, ugh. So now I just say, like, here's this person's resume. I would like, you know, three sentences as a recommendation on LinkedIn, please help, whatever. It's great. It just gives me the starting point and then I can play with it and make it my own. So I'm using it to save time. It's saving me a lot of time. That, that's what, the little bit I played around with it, that's what I did as well. It's like we used, I used it to do an email for our conference and it completely blew me away. I was like, oh my God, this is like one of those little mental stumbling blocks that I would have spent like four hours trying to figure out how to do it. And it spit something else, spit something out there. And I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was, oh my God, it was like way better than what I would have come up with first draft anyway. And so I think that is one of the big change in direction that we need to see. Yes, there are companies, especially bigger companies that are going to use AI to completely replace people. We know it's going to happen. Yes. But, but somebody has to still give it the prompt. Yes. That's exactly right. And, you know, for for smaller companies and smaller studios, then, you know, there are ways that it can absolutely, you know, speed up your work, help facilitate a whole lot of stuff. And everybody works a little more optimized for, yeah. yes, lack of a better word. Right. All right. So we've got about five minutes left. So two questions. Is there anything that we missed today that you want to cover? And then two let's go through what, who, who is applicable for this application and where it is. And I'll post that thing up in chat again. 
So we didn't we didn't miss anything because the, the main thing I wanted to cover were the cohorts um, and just what the virtual exchange is and what the GDC program is. I didn't really talk about GDC. So let me address that. Sorry. Uh, the GDC, the application that is online that you will see the link for is for both programs. You can apply very specifically for one or the other, or you can say you are interested in either depending on how you think the virtual exchange or GDC can help you in your career will help inform the team evaluating your application, decide where to put you in one or both of the programs. GDC, you know, I said early on that we don't give any money to the virtual exchange uh, grantees. So you are being granted participation in a program. You're not being given any money. There are a lot of foundations that give out money for scholarships, as an example. Our GDC program, what is included in that is airfare from wherever you are in the world, your full access pass to GDC, your hotel, and a per diem, so a stipend for your living expenses the days you are in San Francisco. So that is... Uh, you know, a considerable a considerable amount of money, but not something we're just handing you a check because we don't we don't have that kind of money to do that. Uh, so that's the GDC program. I did forget to mention uh, is that we cover all the costs associated with someone going to GDC, and then uh, we have programs. Uh, part of the day during that week. And then the participants also go to hear different talks and experience GDC in all its glory. Yeah, that stipend. So you're looking at somewhere like five, 10 grand to survive a week out in San Francisco at GDC. <laughs> well, no, they don't get that much money. All right. So would you be interested in, because you know how much I love GDC and how they paywall everything and, you know, they bring in people and don't pay them to give lectures and then they sell those lectures for profit. And, oh, God, I love GDC. Um, what if we gave, you know, free passes to all the folks in the program this year to the Indie Game Business sessions in September for absolutely free? Wait a minute. Say that again. Like, so I get, I get an allocation. We get an allocation for our program uh -huh. that we have been getting for 20 years or 15 years or whatever it is. That's uh, we get 75 passes. Uh -huh. And so we take 75 people. Uh -huh. So where are the ones coming for indie game business? Oh, we're, I will give you free passes for all of your, all of the people in the program to attend and participate in our indie game business session. And yes, sorry. I missed that completely. I, I did not understand what you're saying. Yeah. That's all right. I don't understand what I'm saying most of the time. It's all good. Uh, I love that. Yes, please. Okay. All right. And so who is eligible for the, um, for the, to apply to the grant program. Okay. For the scholars program, the international scholars, which is the first cohort I described. It's anyone worldwide in college or just graduated, meaning they're graduating this month or next month and they're interested in a career in the games industry. They do not have to be in a games program, but their application needs to explain why they wanna work in the industry. So that's the international scholars, college students or recent grads. HBCU HSI is very US centric. It's historically black college and universities and Hispanic serving institutions those college students or recent grads. So those are the two scholars relate. So young people cohorts, next gen leaders. It's in the application, but I think the requirement is that someone has to be working three to five years in the industry to qualify at least three to five years experience to be able to qualify to be a next gen leader, which makes sense. Cause if it's somebody just out of school in their first job, they don't have enough experience to bring to that cohort um, to make it uh, the next gen leader cohort that we want. So that's next gen leaders and that's worldwide as is velocity is also worldwide and velocity are people 
working and have experience in another industry who want to transition into the video game business. And so uh, that they're all worldwide, all underrepresented. The applications are judged blind. So the people who see them uh, until the very, very last, and we evaluate them. Like if everything, all of our programming is in, in English at the moment. Uh, so there has to be some ability to communicate your application in English. Maybe ChatGPT can help with that, but I would acknowledge, I mean, all those sessions are going to be in English. So if you don't speak English, I think it would be really difficult. We're trying to figure out how to accommodate other languages, but it won't be this year. That just won't happen this quickly. But it's something important to me because of my international background. So English is important. Spending time in the application. From our experience, people wait till the last day. Our last day to apply is May 31st. People wait till that last day to apply. Spend time with it. At least look at it today. At least look at it between now and then before the very last day and be really thoughtful and intentional. In order to stand out, you want to show why you think you would benefit from either the virtual exchange or participating at GDC. We want to understand that if if you answer, you know, with I just want to go to San Francisco, you will get knocked out and your application will not be considered. So we take this very seriously and we want to help people. And the best way to do that is to help those who really put in the energy and the attention. You don't have to be uh, perfect in your grammar. You don't have to have an English lit degree. You have to be thoughtful and intentional and take care in submitting your application. See, is it now is it undergrad and, and graduate students or is it just undergrad students? It's oh dang it. Um I think it's both. Okay. And I don't have the answer to that right now. If it's not, please send all your hate mail to Alyssa. Yes, at, uh... please. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. And you and I will be having several conversations about other things that we can do as well. But we do absolutely adore the folks at the IGDA Foundation. Love what you all do for the industry. We greatly appreciate it. Um, and yes, they're Dan and Pebstar, our social media manager community manager has the link to our discord as well there's like five thousand people on it and they're all really smart and now Alyssa's on it with the wonderful little friend of the show tag next to her name too and i'm Ooh. going to go double check that question on the uh international scholars and i will put it in the discord excellent Dan? thank you for having me you're yes. welcome yes thank you that was awesome thank you so much Alyssa, for coming on here, make sure it. Oh, we want to thank Tripwire Presents right here. See that? Yeah. Right there. Boop, 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 right there. Thank you, Tripwire. Thank you, Tripwire Presents, for being an amazing sponsor. Thank you for coming on here talking about IGDA because a lot of people, I mean, even though it's well known, a lot of people right, haven't Dan, heard of it. Dan, you're apparently muted. No, Am so I, I can muted? hear him. Oh, wait. I can hear him. I can hear, I can hear him too. <laughs> maybe, all right, maybe Ash has you muted. All right, never mind. Sorry. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, on wow, Ash. Wow. Thank you. All right. Were you getting ready to ask Join the Discord. Have... Discord.gg, any game business. You guys are awesome. This is really fun. Thank uh, you. You don't have to really necessarily always know what you're doing to be able to pull this stuff off. So, um, right. yes. I don't right. know what I'm doing. I have no I idea. None of us do. Why do people assume we know what we're doing? That's the. Because we have gray hair. I don't know. That, that could be it. Yes. Well, then I know um, everything. Look at this. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I say. What is going on? Where are we exactly? All right, real quick. Next week, we are talking marketing and PR. Yeah. Who are you talking to? Uh, Somebody awesome, I hope. I'm sure. Wahid from Loop PR. Nice. nice. Looper. Don't, don't. I mean, yes. Don't, you, this is why you can't ask me specific questions. Sorry. What do I know? And I, what do I know? And what is he going to be talking about? No, I'm just marketing, marketing. PR. PR. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. Hope you all have a wonderful weekend.
We'll see you next week. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.